Hello and welcome to the seventh annual Super Bowl week on the End Zone Podcast. Yes, it has been seven years. We will enter year eight the Monday after the Super Bowl when we do our Super Bowl recap show, which hopefully I have the whole crew with me here for. I've put out a large, uh, a large notice that that is coming on Monday. So hopefully people can clear their schedules. One man that will be with me as well and back on the program, Brian Brown. Now, now settled in a, a much, uh, to be frank, you're going to hear a lot more of Brian Brown on this podcast feed because we are kindred spirits. We enjoy this. This is our hobby. And uh, he's just an easy co-host to have. And so I, uh, I we will... Uh, we will trudge on through the off season with uh, with who we get. Uh, big thanks to YB and Mason and Brock, of course, for all the help they've given me over the past six months. It is always a sprint getting to Super Bowl week, and then Super Bowl week comes and it's super busy. This year, I decided to take a step back. Only one show this week. This will be it, but it will be longer. I, I assume this will go about an hour and a half or so. And we will be talking about the storylines of Super Bowl week. We will be talking about the storylines of the game. And, of course, we will be picking the Super Bowl. Joining me now from his from his bear cave all the way in uh, somewhere far off, but probably near me. It's, uh, in the Brian, depths. In the it's, depths. Deep, deep, dark depths. It's Brian Brown, and we are we're Coca Cola brethren today. Here, let me. I I broke out. This is how much I care about Super Bowl week, Brian. Uh, and and this is me just giving you a heads up now. I might put this on YouTube, which is crazy. You know, I I, I never put anything on YouTube, but this is the one time a year where I like to challenge myself to throw a video in Premiere and put a title that says Enzo Podcast on it, and then see if I remember how to upload things to Utah, uh, to, uh, YouTube. And then maybe I'll cut down like a clip or two if we get really wild, but here we are, Brian. It's, it's Super Bowl week. Got a Coca-Cola in hand. We've made it. It's the end of, it's the end of the football season. It's bittersweet, but I think considering we got here with these two teams, even though it's not the most fun matchup, nationally i do think we got the two best teams yes uh first off let me start by saying thank you for having me uh the best uh best part about being a the sixth choice on the ladder is availability (laughs) and so that's really the biggest reason that i'm here uh which is very counter to the niners and the chiefs who are in my opinion the two best teams uh well hmm it's an interesting thing. I, I think the Niners are for sure the best team on the NFC side of things. I think the AFC side of it, it is Patrick Mahomes is just that good. Um, and, you know, it is a loaded Chiefs defense as well. I don't think there's any way you can neglect that. Um, I, I do. I had an interesting conversation with James Peterson on ESPN 700 on Saturday about uh, most talented team versus Patrick Mahomes in essence. And that's kind of how this one boils down to me. So I, but, you know, when you we've seen it for for decades now. When you have the best quarterback, it's usually how it goes. Yeah, 
usually the best quarterbacks end up here in this game, which is crazy because one of the quarterbacks is the last pick of the draft. And I, I feel like that's a great way to start. Let's just start by by picking this game apart and overanalyzing and overhyping. If you do not care about the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers or the Kansas City Chiefs, I am sorry, but it is your best bet to uh, avoid any and all media, videos, podcasts, uh, radio, uh, anything really until Sunday if you just want to watch a game and get out because we are going to be talking about these two teams in depth. And let's start with, to me, the best storyline in this uh, in this Super Bowl, which is that it is Patrick Mahomes versus a guy out of Iowa State who was just a very average Iowa State quarterback and is turned into a guy that has now led his team to the Super Bowl after being picked not not just in the seventh round, Brian, but the last pick of the seventh round, Mr. Irrelevant. Here we are, Brock, Brock Purdy. He is here, and what an accomplishment that is. I'll just start by saying this. I am a Brock Purdy doubter. And uh, and non-believer, I I am a person that is critical of Brock Purdy, but even I can admit, it's great that he's here. He he had a great run, and here he is at the pinnacle of professional football and playing now for the Super Bowl. In large part, he helped lead the comeback against the Lions. He deserves to be here. I don't know if this is the best matchup for him. We'll get to that later. But it's a pretty incredible story, at least, as a former journalism major and a slut for a good story. Uh, man, I, I, uh, it, it's great to have Brock Purdy involved in this. What is the? So uh, we want to get to a draft eventually, right? Or maybe we can just talk this. We'll just talk about it. What is the best? The best. So let's take Brock Purdy, and I want you to get. I want you to give me the best storyline both currently and what the best outcome best and worst outcome for Brock Purdy is the best outcome for Brock Purdy well that's obvious the best outcome for Brock Purdy is that he outduels Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl is and, that the best is that and, the best? and wins it okay that you think I, that I, I don't I don't outcome. know if there's in like you think it's better for Brock Purdy? Okay, I think we're getting back to, to. I think we're getting back to last week's podcast where we have fundamental differences about what matters. Sure. Uh, it is the Super Bowl. All yeah. that matters in this game is winning the Super Bowl. No one remembers who loses the Super Bowl. Like you just remember who wins the Super Bowl. Dan Marino lost a lot of Super Bowls. People remember that. I, but not as much as they should. And it often gets brought up. Well, he never won a Super Bowl. I'm just saying the best outcome for Brock Purdy, I think, is that he outduels Patrick Mahomes, plays super well, wins the Super Bowl, wins Super Bowl MVP, rides off into the sunset in Disneyland. You think there's a better outcome than that for him? Yeah, I think it's that he plays a phenomenal game and they lose. I guess maybe long term, but like. I think because I think you're right. And we've talked about this last week, right? Brock Purdy's not ready for this. He's just not. And he's I, like, whether or not he's built for it down the road, that's fine. This second year in the freaking league, right? Like, like there are far better quarterbacks out there. Justin Herbert is a better quarterback. I, 
This may be blasphemous. I think Kyler Murray's a better option at quarterback than Brock Purdy. He's just not built for this moment right now. I think he shows some things. He has some escapability. He likes to freelance. He has that belief in himself that he can make plays at times and, and be more than just a game manager. Uh, but I don't think mentally he's there yet. I don't think he's and, – and I hate questioning guys' mental toughness because I think mental toughness gets thrown around in the wrong sense. I just don't think he's mentally there. Like, like his mental state in terms – not just in terms of processing the game, everything like that, but just the Tom Brady willing yourself to be successful, the gravitational pull of being – I don't know about that, man. He right? went from being almost undrafted to playing in the Super Bowl. I think that takes that takes some willpower. It does. It does. And I, I, I think the second half against the, the Lions is – is the improvement right but but that first game against the packers we didn't see a lot of willpower or, or willing your team to win in that one did we i mean it was messing with gloves uncomfortable throwing in the rain uh at, at times didn't look like you wanted to be there and so i wonder if and i don't think there's a right answer here one way or another and if i think if we're being staying true to the game your narrative is the correct one right because if Brock Purdy gets a Super Bowl in his second year in the league, he's a made man, right? Like, like, like that's it. Like, like you're there. Um, but I think that puts a lot of pressure on him. Uh, I think it puts a bullseye on him that he's not prepared for. Uh, I actually think it's better if that San Francisco defense shows weakness and flaws, uh, and that allows Kansas City to win the game in some, like – some regards right what about this for a sub storyline the nfl's desperate grasping for another tom brady figure because if you think about it here both these guys are kind of it is really interesting and i know it's just because he just retired he's only a year removed from the game but we look at football now, and I'm guilty of this as anyone else, but I think the NFL media landscape as a whole looks at quarterback legacy at this point through the eyes of the Brady story. And you have two quarterbacks here that are kind of like oddly <laughs> within like crash courses of veering onto the Brady route. Brock Purdy certainly much farther away than Patrick Mahomes, but if you look at Patrick Mahomes, his first three years in the league, his first six years in the league, he's about to win three titles in about five years. He's about to win back-to-back -back Super Bowls potentially for the first time since Tom Brady. On the other side, you have Brock Purdy, another guy drafted late in the draft, like Tom Brady, who, as you might have you might point out, and here's where I'm going to use your point against you a little bit. Those 2000 Super Bowls, especially the early ones, Tom Brady was not the main reason they won those Super Bowls. They were built on the backs of tremendous defenses that carried them the rest of the way. And, and I bet there were some questions, podcasts didn't exist, but on terrestrial radio shows about Tom Brady's mental acuity and if he was tough and built for this yet. And I just think that's an interesting subplot because I don't think it's just me, Brian, or maybe I'm crazy, but everything in the NFL now is, is through the lens of 
can you catch Tom Brady? And I think it will be that way for the next 20 years. So I think it's very interesting that we have two quarterbacks that are kind of on the same trajectory as Brady at different points in his career. Very interesting kind of subplot to me. It is. And and I want to kind of circle back to something you said earlier that the NFL wants another Tom Brady figure. And I think that, Oh boy, that's, that's a fascinating. That's an interesting area for the script writers to explore. Right. Because I wonder if, if you're the NFL right now, what's better? Do you want your league to be run by Mr. Irrelevant or do you want the best, strongest, most, athletic most explosive playmakers on the planet to be the ones that are leading the game because i think that's the point of the nfl right you want to go out there and say we have the best athletes in the world there are none better this is why you watch right now the nfl has nothing to compete with right like like it is <laughs> so alone in in where it's headed that it's it, it's silly ridiculous but i in the next five to 10 years, people are going to try and come at that and cut into it. It's just going to happen because that's what we do in this country. When something is so far and away the best and ahead of the game, people go after it, you know? And so if you're the NFL, I guess that's, that's really the interesting part about it to me is does that factor into this, you know, conversation at all? Is it more important for you to have, Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and all these very high-powered, high-velocity type players doing better, or is it okay to have Brock Purdy, who's Mr. Uh, you know, as people joke around, like, is what what color is the minivan that his mom's going to pick him up in after the game? Yeah, because that's like that's the that's the Brock Purdy effect right now, right? Is, is everybody's like this? This is a kid. That, that really looks like he's too young to be doing this. And and but you know, the whole that's... Brady thing, yeah, like I, I think you're spot on on that in terms of this is everybody's going to be chasing Brady because Brady is the new standard. And and so that comes down to what Super Bowl appearances and number of wins, right? Like those are the two biggest things. Yeah. That... But that's, that's where I think you underestimate the pool of the NFL and just how much of an institution it is and how far ahead of it, it, it things are is because no, it there's duality to it because yes, at one point you do have the best athletes in the world competing at the highest level in Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and Jalen hurts and Dak Prescott and all these guys and then you have those once in a flash, once in a generation players that fight through the mud, that scratch and claw and fight to just be on a practice squad and make it to the roster and get their chance because Trey Lance gets hurt and Jimmy G gets hurt. And that is a tremendous story. And you can sell that story as well so easily where you're concerned about people eating into the NFL in the next 10 years. I'm just not because they have just got such a dominating 
grip on every angle of the sports landscape, on every angle of the stories going into this, they they can't lose because even if Brock Purdy wins, they can prop him up as, look, if you work hard, if you go to college for four years, if you play college ball at Iowa State and you grind and you work hard and you go through the draft process and you spend time on the bench, you too, anyone, if they work hard enough, can get to and win a Super Bowl. And I, I just think that's something that that's very easy to market. I don't see that as a disadvantage at all. I see that as the great advantage for the NFL. I disagree because I don't think anybody wants to watch grocery store clerks lead NFL teams through the Super Bowls because why I watch football because I love football, right? Like, like that is my world. It's, it's so people be- didn't enjoy watching Kurt Warner. I mean, he, I think people enjoyed watching Kurt Warner with the Rams, but by year 10, when he was wearing dual gloves with the giants, I don't think anybody gave a rats behind about Kurt Warner back then. Right. Like, so his arc was, that's a, that's a great story. It's very heartwarming. Right. Like, and, and I love that they made a movie about Kurt Warner's Jersey. Did you watch it? Journey? No, it, no. I didn't, I had no interest in watching that it meant like that's great you can sell the movie to hallmark channel and, and they'll show it a million times during the football season not interesting to me you know what i mean like that's where i wonder is it really you know and, and we've really wandered into a weird territory here where it's like if brock purdy is the best quarterback in the nfl is that a good thing uh first off like i don't think he's ever going to be considered the best quarterback in the nfl at least not in for a while right like like it's going to be He's really going to have to do a lot to 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 pick it up. Um, all this to say, I think the entertainment value of the NFL is in its ability to really rewrite the script on a regular basis. <clears throat> and so I think if Purdy is able to beat the Chiefs, which my confidence level is low in that. I'm just going to be up front and I don't, we don't have to make picks or anything like that, whatever. I don't care. Uh, that's just me and how I feel. Uh, it's a great storyline or a great script segment for now. But I think the bigger question is like, oh, if Purdy got over on Mahomes, who else is next? Right. Or how does Mahomes respond? So it's almost like if he does win it, it, it doesn't speak as much towards Purdy. It speaks more towards, oh my gosh. This happened to Patrick Mahomes. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess I, I see your point there. Because Mahomes is the biggest star in the NFL. I think hands that is up. that is true, yeah. but he may not even be the biggest star in his team at this point. But that's a different story, right? That's true. And I, I you know, I'm with you. I've I've said it for now two weeks. I'm not spoiling anything. I don't have a final mm-hmm. score picked out yet, but look, we'll get to that at the end. But I'm taking the Chiefs. But like. I, I just think I I don't know if this is your argument or not, but I just think Brock Purdy is a marketable story. I think he is a marketable player and a marketable face for the league. I think it is good that Brock Purdy is involved in this moment. I'm not gonna because, with you there, because not only face like not it's only so because cool. of the, the human interest aspect, but it sells hope. 
to literally every fan base in the NFL that if you get one of these guys, like you hit on these guys sometimes, like Dak, for example, he was taken much higher, but but still in the third round, like sometimes you just hit on these guys that are are dart throws and they turn out to be something great. And I think that's something that's good for the NFL because you can market that to schlubs like me and say, hey, maybe the Broncos can hit on Bo Nix and you won't be in darkness for the rest of your life. You're too smart of a fan to believe that. That's the problem. That's what I'm trying to say here. It negates everything that like people invest in the NFL if Brock Purdy is the face of this. It means that like every 10 years, there's going to be a Mr. Irrelevant that's going to run the show here. I think that even like like downplays Brady's legacy. I just I, no, I just totally disagree with that. Right. I mean, at some point you're so just what good. you really want in your world and your life is for the Broncos to nail it with a seven or seventh round draft pick that carries you to the Super Bowl for the next 10 years. That's what you really want. If they win a Super Bowl, yeah. That's the point. Uh, of so so there it is, right there, right? And this goes back to our conversation last week. It doesn't matter how they get the guy, you just want the freaking guy. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Right. That's it. So yeah. So I think I don't think that makes the Brockport Purdy storyline any like more interesting or relevant or anything like that. It's like, oh yeah, they got him in the seventh round. Like the Chiefs got Mahomes in this way. The the Bengals got Joe Burrow number one overall. And I still think like this is one of those years where we really, yeah, big what if not? Yeah, yeah. Like if Burrow's healthy this year, now all of a sudden it could it like I. Hand of the square. Think we're talking about Niners Bengals in the Super Bowl. Mm. I know that's kind of absurd, but like, that yeah, Bengals I mean, you're not game, wrong. Yeah, it's. Just, I, I, I'd agree with. I'd agree with that take. But I mean, Kansas City at Cincinnati in the playoffs. Do they yeah. still win that game? You know what I Probably mean? Probably not. Yeah, I just. But so, then again, you have. I mean. My point being just that we leave Joe Burrow out of the conversation because we're also object permanent here when it comes to these discussions and everything like that. And I think that's part of the reason why the the Brock Purdy conversation does him such a disservice because he is a second year guy. And anybody who's expecting him to be a 15 year vet today, it probably is the one that needs to have their head checked, right? Like that that's that's the real crux of this whole thing. And I get it, like the world we live in and 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 everything like that. You've got to find ways to generate hot takes and whatnot. Um, I just, at some point in time, we've got to have a return to common sense. You know what I mean? And the common sense thing should be that, like, the best players and the best athletes are the ones who get the job done for you. Uh, now, that being said, like, <clears throat> maybe I'm too out of touch with the common fan. Right. Because I, like football, I've touched on all levels, you know, in terms of like high school level recruiting, coaching, being around it. On, on, you're on, much more you're much more ingrained in it than I am. It's it's not a fandom thing. This is my life. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and I've tried on multiple occasions to find something, you know, that's different. But it, it's just I come to terms that that football is you know, very much my my safe space in my home and everything like that. So. It could be that I'm out of touch in terms of what narratives matter, but, um, and we really got a long time talking about Brock Purdy and, and just what if he wins the game. And 
maybe not as much about how it, how he has to play or how that that could even happen. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit, but you know, it is not you know, it's not just Brock Purdy. Like it is, like like it is a team sport. So, yeah, very true. And and that would be another interesting part of the conversation is what if the Niners do win despite Brock Purdy? Right, because I think if we're talking storylines and narratives, the the most interesting narrative to me is the one that I mentioned before: is you have the most talented team in the NFL in the Niners, top to bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the Kansas City Chiefs, who are Patrick Mahomes, an elite defense and a Hall of Fame tight end, and that's kind of it, right? Like, I like Isaiah Pacheco, I like Rasheed Rice. He's a rookie wide receiver. I don't expect him to do that much in the Super Bowl. That offensive line is nothing superior. I think Patrick Mahomes makes it superior uh, when he plays the way he does, but I don't know. I just don't see the level and depth of talent on the Chiefs roster that I do on the Niners roster. Mm. And so to me, that's the bigger takeaway is can you win with a quarterback who is adequate in Brock Purdy? but an elite level team talent wise over a team that has the best, you know, the most talented uh, quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. I think it's a very interesting discussion. And I think that to me, if you look at all the possible outcomes of this game, I think long-term for the health of the NFL, I actually think it's almost better if the Niners do get over the hump on that. Because if it is just Patrick Mahomes and everybody else, I know we love star culture, but the NFL is not a star-driven league. It is people who are passionate about their teams. Yeah. And there's only 30 teams, you know, 32 teams to watch every single week. And you want your team to win. Like, you don't want the Broncos to continue to tank. They, no. they want to win. You know, and then nobody wants that. Like, I think that's what sets the NFL apart from the NBA and yeah. other leagues so much. That's another interesting argument to get into, though. By the numbers, the popularity, the popularity, and this is where Brady helps us. Because when Brady was dominating and in this game every single year, which basically was for a decade, the ratings didn't really suffer. Like the, the game got bigger, the cap went up. Like I, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. Like I know it's not a star-driven league, but I, I do not think. Michael Jordan did not make the NBA a worse product when he played in it. No, you're you're right. You're right. And I think this is where it gets difficult because I think comparing eras, there was so much less competition in terms of your attention back during the the heyday of the Brady era, right? And nowadays, it's it's not just about the NFL is not just competing with other potential football leagues on a Sunday. It's competing against Disney Plus and TikTok and YouTube and all these sources of entertainment or you know attention outlets that we have now in our lives. And that's why I think I think to almost to your point, like I think that's why Red Zone has become so popular is because it allows us to have that short attention span hit a dopamine over and over and over and over. It's a bad way to watch football, but 
uh, a terrible way to make evaluations, right? Because all you're getting is just like it's a really bad playing. way to watch football. Yeah, um, um, but um, but yeah, no, you you make you make valid points there, but I I, I just so uh, like I guess it comes back to like, do you need a do you need a Le, LeBron James a Michael Jordan type star in the NFL, or is the shield just enough? I I think it's more fun having six, seven, eight different quarterbacks who can win a Super Bowl. I really do. And uh, if you throw Brock Purdy onto that list because he wins one this year, it's not a bad thing. Like, I need to get out of that mindset. It's not but a bad thing. Also, we need to – I don't know how to say this. I don't want to sound condescending here, but you and me are just talking into microphones right now. Oh, sure. If he if he actually pulls this off and beats for 49ers and then somehow wins the Super Bowl again next year, like you mean Mahomes? No, yeah, Mahomes. Like, no one's just gonna bend over for him. Like, the Bills didn't just quit. Like, no. they played the best they could. The Ravens didn't just quit, they played the best game they possibly could. And sometimes you're just the best at what you do. And in the end, you win the titles because you're the best at what you do. I don't think that's that's where I'm at. Sure, there might it might be better when there's six great quarterbacks, but those guys all had shots to beat Patrick Mahomes. They all had shots and they all played their hearts out and they all worked their asses off. And one of them did, but they still lost. You know, one of them did. One of them did beat Mahomes, right? Yeah, and he's the guy that we're all chasing. Yeah. Uh, do you get what I'm saying there? Like, I do, I do, I do. But I think, I think, like, I, I don't, I almost don't like that is, argument from you. That's fair. I mean, that's what we're having the discussion. Right, 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 right. You know, otherwise it's just you and me sitting around picking. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Else. And, <laughs> you know, like we talked about in the pre-show conversation, where we're going to talk about who's who's softer, the field or the Niners for complaining about it. Right? Yeah, nobody wants to hear that. But I think the unique part about this, in my in my mind, this is where we can be a little more, you know, first first takey a little bit and and dive into these these weird narratives about what really does matter and. My big thing with with what you said is that I the problem is Mahomes is so good that it almost creates a flaw in the system to where, yeah, other teams are going to try and continue to knock him off. How do you do that? Because there's not another Patrick Mahomes out there, and we, I know everybody looks at Caleb Williams and thinks that he's Mahomes 2.0. He's not. He's Caleb Williams 1.0, and they're two different players. They're not going to have the same evolution. They're not going to have the same thing you know it's, it's not going to be the same outcome it's just not uh, we have to stop comparing things and, and expecting the absolute same result in a sport where that's just not 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 ever happened right like like it just it just that that doesn't happen here so i guess my question is how do you beat patrick mahomes right and if you're building your team just to beat mahomes is that going to be enough to get you to the super bowl if you're in the afc because if ever there was a team that was built to do it, it may have been the Ravens. The Ravens couldn't get it done. And now they're, I think they're even further behind because they've got decisions to make in the offseason, right? They've got uh, – they lost their defensive coordinator, and that's going to 
we've seen that can be problematic for a lot of teams. So I don't know, man. It's 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 an interesting conversation for me because I think parity is the best thing for the sport. I really do. And I think that's whatever level you're at, I think especially as you go lower levels, parity is very, very important because everybody wants to feel like they have a chance to win. And right, I mean, if Mahomes does win, how many teams out there really feel like they have a chance? And, and you're right, like the Bills aren't just going to roll over, but it's going to be a lot of guys just throwing up their hands saying, I don't know what to do next. It's know, also somebody just, will eventually figure it out, but... It, it's also just, there's so much, and this is just cr- true across all sports, so much of it is just pure luck. Like, yeah. like... They got extremely lucky that field goal goes wide right in Buffalo. They got lucky Lamar Jackson has his worst game of the season and throws a terrible interception against them in the end I'd zone. I argue that Tom Munkin, Todd Munkin had his worst game plan of the season in that one too, right? Into triple coverage. They get extremely lucky Zay Flower drops the ball before the goal line. Like you go like you go back to the Dolphins game, you get extremely lucky. It's negative 30 degrees in Kansas City, and the Dolphins haven't experienced anything like that in a decade. And they're just not really prepared for what you have to offer them. And like you mentioned earlier, you get extremely lucky. Joe Burrow gets injured earlier this year, and the Bengals just fall out of contention nicely. It, it, so it's not like... Mahomes is great, and like we will end this talking about his greatness, but one way or another, right? Like, but like... But, but so much has to go right, and like I, I just want to say something to you that I think you'd say to me because you played it, and you're you're more ingrained. It's a team sport. Yeah, it is a team sport, and no matter how much we want to talk about Patrick Mahomes, he is not the reason they are here. He is not the reason they won that game in Baltimore. Sure, they scored two touchdowns early, but then the Ravens have legitimately eight chances and get stopped every single time by one of the best defenses we've seen since, I would argue, the Super Bowl winning defense for the Broncos. Like, it is, it's it's still a team game, and, and that's, that's, that's another huge part of this. And I think another huge storyline is the fact that you have just two very different styles and it brings me back to you know my favorite sports quote of all time brian which is that styles make fights Mm -hmm. and all and perhaps the storyline i'm most interested in and then i want to hear one from you as far as styles making fights is you have Kyle Shanahan, someone who is considered the most prolific and best offensive game planner in the NFL versus Steve Spagnola, who had two really terrible stints as a head coach and did himself such a disservice that he's doomed for the rest of his life to be probably the best defensive coordinator of this generation outside of Bill Belichick. I don't think that's crazy to say. And for what he does with the amount of talent he is given. Like, if you look at the guys on this Kansas City roster, they're not first-round picks. They're guys they pick up in the fifth round and turn into all pros because Steve Spagnolo is one of the best coaches 
in the NFL. And I think that's a very fascinating storyline to look at is Kyle Shanahan's offense versus the Spags defense and how the two kind of counteract with each other. Yeah, I think Legarius Sneed's a great example of what you're talking about, right? Like, like he is not the Alabama four or five star corner that everybody seems to love and and idolize and and embrace. He's a fourth round pick from Louisiana Tech. You know, a guy that didn't really blow the doors off in terms of of combine numbers. You know, uh, and he is, in my opinion one of the top tier corners in the league right now, the way that he's playing, what he brings to the team, all that kind of stuff. Now only had 52 tackles or he had 52 tackles and just two interceptions, but the, the way that he defends the field and in and, and coverage and everything like that, the way that Spags uses him, I think all that speaks to your point. Uh, when you talk about Spagnola being the best DC, I mean, I think Vic Fangio just always has to be in that conversation, right? Just because his reputation and, and, now that he's essentially become a mercenary for whatever team can open up the bank the most to bring him in and, and have him run a system for a year. Uh, that said, I, like, I don't know that I disagree with you in terms of what you're talking about with Spags. <laughs> it's such an interesting conversation because I think everything that we think about in terms of team building and, and whatnot it's almost like the chiefs have bucked that trend, right? Because when we talk about the Texans, it was all about, they had first round picks. They had, you know, guys that they, they had all this war chest of, of draft picks and everything like that. that they cashed in early on Will Anderson and CJ Stroud cashed in early, which turned out to be a really good thing. Um, the chiefs have just steady stayed doing what good teams are supposed to do. And, and it's, I mean, I think that's the unique part about the NFL is it's so hard if you're a bottom feeder to get better because the great teams are doing the best work in the later rounds and, and they're creating, you know, I, I, the, we praise the hell out of Philadelphia's draft, right? And just how much talent they have on the defense, everything like that. And it still wasn't enough to get them back to the Super Bowl. Now, I think there were other flaws within the program and everything like that. And that's certainly you could talk about that for a long time, but it just it it circles back to your original point of just luck is is a huge part of this. And you know, teams who really do the work and, and do the scouting stuff. Uh and when you have the best teams doing that better than everybody else, man, you, you really gotta find a way to figure out a new program, which I think that as, as I'm saying this, I think that speaks to just really how impressive the job that uh, Dan Campbell and, uh, oh, what can I think the name of the GM up there? Oh, Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes. It, it speaks so highly to the job that they've done in turning that thing around and rebuilding it on the fly. You know, um, and I think maybe, maybe some of that is just the way Brad Holmes drafts by sticking – sticking to his board and not listening to what everybody else said. And that paid massive dividends. I don't know. But it, like the other thing too, is you look at the Niners and uh, the chiefs. These are not teams that are built through free agency, right? It is draft and develop and, and find your guys and, and, you know, make smart, savvy trades when you need to I think, especially on the Niners side of things. So 
it's just a fascinating time to be a football fan because I think a lot of the stuff that we think of traditionally in terms of like the best talent should go in the first round and have the most impact. Like it really doesn't always work out that way, which, you know, I think speaks to what you said about it being the ultimate team sport. Hmm. I like how you're lecturing me this pod on my points. Like, like we've done the freaky Friday role reversal or something like that. And now I'm the one that has to be reminded, like it's a team sport, like all 11 matters, all these kinds of things. I don't know why switch into a New York accent for that kind of thing, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're walking here, but, uh, Dude, I'm glad uh, you you keep you keep saying, "Oh, it makes for a fascinating conversation." Dude, I'm glad we're doing a podcast. Like, I know, it's almost like that. Like, uh, that's crazy, this. dude. Crazy. Um, I I want to know what's on your mind. What what what's on your mind before we get into like some X's and O's stuff? Like, what what's on your mind as far as as big storylines for this game? Super Bowl is always a tough one because I feel like we kind of know everything we need to know about these teams, right? I think we know their flaws. We're pretty intimate with who they are, how they got here, especially if you're a diehard like we are, where you're watching almost every single game, week in, week out, never really miss the playoffs. You're 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 glued to the couch or or wherever your you know your your place of comfort is for the entirety of a Saturday to make sure you get all the action in. So I don't know that there's like, somewhere out there, some member of the all 22 mafia has cracked the code, right? And has just watched so damn much film that they know how the game is going to be. won, And none of us are going to hear about it in time because it's going to be some random and there's so much content out there. Right. And so as I, I think about all that stuff, when I'm, I'm looking at it, I just, I always look, I mean, it, it, the easiest way to evaluate a game is, is, position by position and then you kind of think matchups and scheme and everything like that and then usually it just boils down to QB versus QB and I think that's that's the easiest way to simplify things is just who's got the better quarterback and in this case it's the Chiefs um, but I just wonder there's so much that goes into the Super Bowl right and so much attention and so much I, like even the the soft field story coming out, right? Like I think that just tells you how much people are trying to manufacture stories and storylines that are interesting for this game because it's it's always such a big event every year. And I just I wonder if if that's good or bad. You know what I mean? Do we always get the best performances when there's so much attention and and outward pressure? And I know that every performance coach and every you know sports psychologist is going to tell you that performance is, or uh, pressure is a privilege and, and all that kind of thing I, I i don't know if it always means for the like leads to the best outcome for the game hmm. so that's kind of what i think through is like is it worth is it worth us going through all these motions that we always go through from week to week for the week of the super bowl or is this a better time for reflection, conversation about the game as a whole, that kind of thing, right? Like we were talking before the show started about Eric Bieniemy and just like, man, like what, like that is a bizarre situation, and it seems like it's one of those one, one of those things that nobody really wants to report on or tell the truth about, and nobody can really understand. And 
So people speculate all crazy like on the internet, which I guess that's what the internet's for these days. So I just, I wonder if maybe that's what my thought is, is just, are we covering the Super Bowl week the right way? You know? Hmm. It is just such an interesting event in that you look at the other three North American sports, they're all determined by seven game series. They're they're all determined by these two week long marathons that switch between home city and away city. And there's a lot to cover in those games. And each game has a different tenor and each game has a different hero. But this one, there's only one game. It is the game. It is the big game. It is the Super Bowl. And I think you make a really valid point about how, how do we cover the Super Bowl? Because we could talk about the X's and O's until we're blue in the face. But then a snap goes over Peyton Manning's head a minute in and suddenly you, you've got a 49 to 3 uh, shellacking on your hand. And... I've been on this take forever, Brian. But like last year was the first like, quote unquote, good Super Bowl in like seven years. Like most of the times these games aren't competitive and the winning team really wins and 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 wins by a lot. And. We can hope and pray that, oh, look, man, the San Francisco 49ers secondary is suspect and Brock Purdy this fat like maybe we'll get a shootout probably not more likely this game ends up 24 to 16 and has five total touchdowns like that it's a it is a really good point by you and I think it is healthy for to look at the Super Bowl week as kind of a state of the a state of union as you as you'd have it which i think we just had at the beginning of this of this podcast um of where we are as a league and as a sport that as you mentioned even though i may disagree you are right there are a lot more entertainment options to be consumed these days perhaps it's because i'm too married and devoted to football that i can't see that clearly from the outside like i i cannot fathom someone picking the boys on amazon prime over you know a week six browns Bengals game like but you know it is an interesting point brian and i think one that uh, that really makes you think how, how how do we cover the super bowl and how should we cover the super bowl it's almost like we should be looking at the season as a whole in retrospect this week, right? How did we get here rather than doing the standard uh, week week to week breakdown of how teams match up and, and what everything's going to look like? Because you made a great point. Like one thing goes wrong and all of a sudden all that breakdown analysis is just out the window. It's like, oh, all right, here we go. And that's why we love the game because we love that the NFL script writers are better than anybody else on the planet. They do a better job of, of, surprising us from week to week i don't am i playing that bit like too hard right now maybe i am doesn't matter but um it's i think this this year has been a really and we tend to uh, like there's this weird 
don't want to say synergy, but this like on the field versus off the field, right? Where on the field, you're always going to be looking for what's going on and, and trying to dig in on you know, is Miles Garrett really this disruptive? Is he really this great as a defensive player? Is is his impact like how do we quantify it? Now all of a sudden we have EPA and DVOA and all these advanced analytics creeping into the the consciousness, which I think is a good thing. You need to be you always need to be evolving, but there's also the off the field stuff. And I think to me the thing that's very interesting about this year, if you're looking at the game from an interactive perspective, it's it's the inclusion of the Swifties. And I know that's like I don't want to say it is in terms of like trying to play off of it, but just think of all those dads out there that can now sit and watch football with their daughters and all these young women who are watching football that never had an interest in it before and the positives that can come for that. Because I look at what Caitlin Clark does, for example, in women's basketball, and I'm looking at what's happening in college basketball and and the WNBA. And this is a league that people are loving because it's, good basketball and you know what happened we started caring about how you know how women were trained and and how women were coached and how they were developed now all of a sudden we have these elite stars and and these great matchups and and it's these leagues can function on their own and should function on their own and they should have always had that kind of attention and and uh you know conversation about them but for whatever reason we just kind of stuck in our habits right and now we have this new infusion of people who are watching games and, and being, you know, uh, being involved in it. And part of me wonders, like, how do you keep them going? You know, are, are these new fans going to be interested in the team next year if Travis Kelsey's not a part of it? And if you're the NFL, you made all these strides and set all these records now. What are you going to do? to keep that momentum going because I think that's always the trickiest part is the NFL has been because it is just the greatest sport. And I'm sorry to everybody else who loves baseball and hockey and basketball. I'm not, I'm not devaluing those sports, but it just is right. Like, like the numbers prove it, the, the money proves it, the TV proves it. It's just, it is our sport and we are obsessed with football as a country and both individually for you and me but um how do you keep that going you know what i mean because i think you are going into a new era of stuff and so some of that is just how we talk about it and and you mentioned you know it was interesting i pulled up the the outcomes for the super bowl for the last few years last year 38 35 great game a year before it was the ram cincinnati 23 to 20 i don't remember that game being that close to you no it was kind of well, no, the Rams did because it's the Cooper Cup touchdown. The Rams did do a, a game-winning drive. So we did get two back-to-back close ones, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as high score. I would I would have put last year's game over over that one. Yeah, so the year previous was Tampa Bay 31, Kansas City 9. That was when Patrick Mahomes didn't have tackles, and it was very evident, right? Year before that, KC 31, San Francisco 20. That one never really felt close. That was not a good Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, the one before that, oh boy. You want to take a guess as to which one that was? That was, okay, so the year before Patrick Mahomes first. That would be, mm, okay. If you get this, I'll be impressed. So it's got to be Brady. I think it's got to be Brady. Brady's Brady's involved. Ah, 
Jared Goff Super Bowl. <laughs> it is, it is, it is the Jared Goff Super Bowl where uh, Sean McVay, who now says he regrets it terribly, just treated, uh, told Jared Goff, oh, yeah, you can't play quarterback uh, because the New England defense stifled them. I, I think the, the final the score was game I've ever, like, final score has to be something like 20 to 13, right? 13 to 3. It was, we didn't even get to 17 for the over under. That's how, that game was miserable. Year before Philly Special, that was a Philly great game. Philly Special, that was a great one. Year before that, 28 to 3. That Classic. was a great game. Yeah. And then the year before that, I mean, you're going to love this one. You know this oh, yeah. one. Near and dear to your heart. But that also, a not, great game. not a great game. No, it wasn't. And then, you know, year before that, it was New England, Seattle. That was a pretty good game. Year before that, Seattle, Denver. That was that not was a great game. Bad. You know, we'll have to talk about and that. And then we're all the way back to Colin Kaepernick. Yep. So it's just like, it, it is. I mean, if we're talking about great games versus not great games, it's about 60 40, you know? So it's just like, for your preeminent event, is it really worth all the hype? I don't know. But it also, like, that's that. But going back to our book club, that is always what has made the NFL stand up. That is what made the that is what separated in the 1970s and 80s the NFL from the rest of the sports in in the league in, in North America was that Pete Rozelle invested unlimited money basically into the media arm of the NFL and created these things like you know America's game and NFL films and all these highlight cutups and shows that would broadcast on local television at like 10 a.m. on Saturdays after the cartoons were over. Like this is why the NFL is successful because they make the game this big and they put this much attention on it. It's all intentional, but I do agree that, you know, you have to look, the world is changing, you know, and the, and the NFL, we talked about Eric Bieniemy earlier, the NFL, the coaches in the NFL do not look like a majority of the population in the U.S. at this point. And the quarterbacks in the NFL are slowly getting there to the point where it's a little bit more balanced, where we have almost as many quarterbacks of color as we do white quarterbacks, but there's still an imbalance there. And it's it's a rapidly changing country. You know, it is not a super welcoming sport. The NFL does its best with pride initiatives and things like that, but it is still a right leaning sport. If you yeah, if it's got a it, fine it, line to walk with that one, right? It, and we if, found that out over the if years. If you if you if you want to look into it like that, and it is just a very interesting it's an interesting lead. It's also pretty much ungoverned by the United States government and not considered a monopoly, even though it definitely is a monopoly. Like it's vertical integration at the oil, but the oil barons would be proud, proud of what Roger Goodell has created here because he, Roger Goodell is the new oil barons. Like the NFL is the new, we own the railways and the drilling and everything. And we're just going to make so much money off of this that it's insane. 
and that that's all part of Super Bowl week as well. And I mean, the sport is physically unsafe to play, no matter how you slice it. It is a dangerous and violent sport, and it always will be. And you cannot take that out of a sport or people will not watch it. And there is a certain moral objection that you have to swallow if you want to really get into football. Yeah, you have to have the physicality for the game to really be what it is. And I think that is always going to be the disconnect between the people who watch it all the time and those who are invested in it all the time. I, It always fascinates me to hear uh, former players and whatnot talk about the game and be like, man, I, I played this from week to week. And for me, even as, as someone who played it at a much, much lower, lower level, like I'm really, it, I was talking to a friend of mine about something like this, where he, he was, he was working a basketball game as, as a photographer. And one of the kids hit him and he's like, yeah, it took me a few, you know, it took me like 30 minutes to kind of get my bearings and my wits about me after that. And that was just from a kid crashing into him. Right. He's a fairly sturdy guy. I used to do that every single day for two and a half hours out of the day with people that were equally my size and a lot faster than me. And it just, it kind of boggles my mind that you adapt to it and it just becomes such a regular part of, of what you're doing on a regular basis. But that is the game at its core is it's, it's built to be physical. It's built to be grueling and testing. And, and I think is it's good that we're trying to make the game safer all the time, but you just can't lose the fact that there is, it's part of what like is so awesome is that you're just watching it and you're like, my goodness, now these guys are doing insane things all the time. And, and they're kind of goes back a little bit to my, my, my first take on Brock Purdy is, is you want to have behemoths and, and juggernauts doing insane physical things to really make this game great, but maybe it doesn't always have to be at the quarterback position. So, um, Oh man, that was a good conversation. Yeah, I feel like we should just pick the game, and uh, we we and might call as well. It night. I, mean, I mean, there's there's interesting. Like, I guess I do have this question as as we transition into this. If if so, we we should pick the game, but I, I if. What do you think needs to happen for each team to win? I'll ask you that first. Oh, man. I got to use my favorite football cliches. Both these teams need to stop the run. That's that's the number one thing. And I know that is does sound so cliche. But the Niners over the past few weeks have been so bad at stopping the run uh, that I worry one of the outcomes we're not thinking about is Patrick Mahomes has a fairly average game and throws for uh, 180 yards, and Isaiah Pacheco goes for, like, 150 and three touchdowns on the ground. Like, that is something that very realistically could happen because, well, the 49ers don't play run defense somehow, some way. They spent all this money on Javon Kinlaw, and they've got Chase Young, and they've got this... Nick Bosa in this front. But guess what, man? They they are just they're not a good run defense. And I think that that could be one of the things that really determines how how this game plays out. 
the run game. So I, I think as cliche as it is, it, it comes back to two things. One, establishing the run and who, who can control the game through that methodology. But I think the big thing for me is going to be who can create turnovers because nobody's going to want to go out and be flip it with the ball, right? So is there a defense out there that can find a way to create some turnovers? To me, I actually think the edge in that one is is with the 49ers. I think they do a much better job of creating turnovers. And in this instance, it's going to be finding ways to get fumbles, right? Knock the ball loose, get the ball out of people's hands. And if they can do that while establishing the ground game. Now, Mina Kimes, credit to her, came up with an interesting statistic that where the Niners are number one in, in rush yards via zone plays, the Chiefs are, uh, I think, 31st in yards allowed. So th- that could be a very interesting dynamic with that as well. You know, and, and, and to your point earlier, can Spagnolo coach something up about that? Maybe I'm, I'm misremembering the stat. I should double check it. But um, it's very interesting to me, like when we start, yeah. So KC versus zone runs, 31st in yards per carry allowed, right? So you have one of the worst uh, defenses versus zone runs against one of the best teams in zone runs. So is that going to, I mean, that's one of those things that we always hunt for these stats and, and the magic numbers and everything like that. Is that one of those things that's really going to factor into this game? And how does KC counter that? If, if you really just can't stop the zone runs, and that is something that San Francisco is just absolutely phenomenal at, how do you counter that, right? Do you stuff the box on first down and try and force Brock Purdy into second and third and longs and, and try and create situations out of that? And how much, you know, or or is your counter for that like, all right, we'll let you get some zone runs. We'll stop you every other way. That's very, very schematic heavy there. Yeah. With a, with a, with a giant plate full of, of scheme food. Yeah, I, I don't know if you see from the look in my eyes, but I was like, oh, my God. I don't understand <laughs> He's doing it, things. isn't he? He's going have, there. Don't do it to me, Brian. Those words. Uh, uh, it is just kind of insane. Yeah, I'm not sense. asking you to break down the scheme and things like that, but I think this is this is always the choice that, that defensive coordinators have to make. You can't stop everything. So what can you live with and what can you die with, right? And I think if you're Spags, can you live with them getting seven yards of carry on zone run? No, you can't. So, so, so you got to do something, right? And they will, you know. I, I think know they're gonna. I think they're gonna blitz the hell out of Brock Purdy. I think. I, I I think they're gonna they're gonna blitz to stop the run, and they're gonna blitz to get to Brock Purdy, and they're gonna bet on their corners. And I think that'll be the story of this game. I think they have to, right? Because I don't think you have the linebacker support if you're the Chiefs to just play it straight up and down, right? Now, the Niners, on the other hand, they got the dogs at linebackers, right? Fred and Dre, those guys are good. As good as we – like, that's as good a tandem at linebacker as I've seen in the NFL. And maybe some of his recency bias uh, just from watching them the last few weeks and the way that they've impacted the game. But Fred Warner looks like he is mad at the turf every time he tackles somebody and he wants to hurt the turf with human bodies. And I love that. I love it. I love his physicality and everything that he does with that. 
that's part of why that Niners defense is so great, right? Because those linebackers do so much. You know, you talked like they've got this elite defensive line and they really haven't done a good job against the outside run. We've seen them be exposed over and over again. Finally saw Eric Armstead make a play. Finally saw Chase Young start to play decently there towards the end of the Detroit game. And yeah, I mean, credit where credit is due. That defense, that Detroit offensive line was was really good and played it a great, you know, did a great job in that game. But I think for like if you're the Chiefs, like that get, like that I feel like the very same game plan that they rolled out against the Ravens can operate in the exact same manner against the Niners, right? Where you roll it out, you jump on this Niner team early on, you put all the I don't want to say pressure, but all the the force, the the fight up against that Niner offense to fight back against it. And that's a great way to do it. And, and so maybe that's part of your game plan, too, is you want to take the ball. You want to get the ball early. I don't know. What would you do, Andy Reid? I think I would run. I would <laughs> run a lot. I think I would, I'd call a lot of run plays. I think I'd call a lot of halfback dives. And you were built I, to be an offensive lineman, man. Run the and, damn ball. And I, I think I'd run the ball a lot. And then I think I'd do some play action stuff, and uh, I think I'd I'd stay away from Fred Warner because I I think he is a, a nasty a nasty nasty man that could uh, make things very difficult for you, um, and I think that's the way I'd play it out. The way that they attacked the Ravens was very much that way, right? You wanted to stay away from Roquan Smith, and we saw when Roquan had a chance to make plays, he did it. And so they ran a lot of screens, a lot of actions on the outside, a lot of swing passes, trying to get outside on the edges and, and really attack that area. I think that's what they're going to try and do again this this week. And, and it's it's proven for them. They have those weapons where they can use – they can get you going side to side so much and really pursuing and wearing you down – and then maybe try and hit something over the top. But, you know, it, it's what's what's so unique about this game is that we can talk about matchups. And, and at the end of the day, every it, it, how you do it is is different for every team. But there are two two things that you have to do. Protect the football, so don't don't create your own turnovers, right? And you got to hit some explosive plays. And those were that, you know, that's really what the Chiefs did early on was they hit some big explosive plays in those first couple drives, and that was that, you know? Uh, the Ravens did their job on defense. It's just they couldn't hit the explosive plays, and they had the turnovers, you know, to your point, like Lamar throwing into triple coverage. And I, that felt like a Lamar evolution moment, right, to me where it's just like this is him in the playoffs. He's feeling that pressure that weight, and he sees likely throw the hand up, and he just kind of uh, and throws it, right, trying to make a play rather than just going through and reading it and everything like that, which – He's been so much better at that over the years. And I, I have to believe that if Lamar is the quarterback that I uh, that I believe he is, um, that that's going to be part of his evolution is, is you know, in the years to come, he's not going to make that throw again. Cause it, it, I mean, that cost them a game in a lot of ways. Yeah. All right. It helps. It helps, by the way. And this goes back to I. This is what I was thinking while you were talking there. It helps, by the way, not only to have you know the best roster and the best quarterback, 
it helps to have the best coaches. Like it, it, it really does. And it's almost like, it's almost so like, simple, right? It's like, almost like it's so simple. You just got to have the best GMs, the best coaches and the best players. And you can do anything because guess what? The Niners have the best coaches. They have the best players and they have the best front office. And guess what? They don't have is the best quarterback, right? Yeah. And guess what? So do pretty much for chiefs. They don't have the best roster, but that's actually a lie. The defense is part of a roster. They do have the best roster. They because they have the best 11 defense in the NFL. And they are here for a reason. The only and they have the best on that defense is the linebacker core, right? And 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 that's just And even that like, even that isn't that bad. Like Willie right. Gay has been very good this year. Yeah, it's not it's not me saying like that's a weak linebacking core. It's just the two strengths, the defensive line and the defensive backfield are so good right now and how they're playing that it makes that linebacking core look like the more approachable option in terms of where you can attack it. But even then, like you said, Willie Gay's played really well. Um, And the other thing too is like we kind of – that Chiefs offensive line is not elite, but they're not trash either. Creed Humphreys is really good, really, really good. And they seem to be working together as a unit really, really well. Yeah. And I, I, you can't argue with Kelsey. The, the only group on that offense right now is just, it's more just that we haven't seen consistent production from the wide receiver group, right? But the we have seen, we we have literally seen Marquez Valdez-Scantling make the three most important catches of their postseason in back-to-back weeks. <laughs> So, so so like there is that like there is a chance that spelled mvs there is a chance that like mvs just shows out that's always a possibility yeah all right i'll let you go first because i want to go last yeah so my pick in this one is i'm gonna go with I talked my big game. I'm going to go with the Niners. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I just think, I think as much as we've talked about <clears throat> MVS and Rasheed Rice and Isaiah Pacheco and all these guys showing up throughout the playoffs, it's a different animal when you get to the Super Bowl. And Mahomes and Kelsey can't carry that offense entirely by themselves. And I think that San Francisco is good enough up front defensively, especially on the defensive line, to where if it's one game that they got to get it done, they can get it done. And I feel like it's going to be one of those situations where you're going to see some of those young guys, Rasheed Rice, Pacheco, make mistakes, whether it's fumbles or whatever. And it's those are going to be the guys that, that can't get it done. On the flip side of it, the Niners are just, I think they're peaking at the right time. We saw that team really come out in the second half and establish the offensive identity that we've seen all year. Debo's healthy. Trent Williams healthy. Christian McCaffrey's healthy. Uh, that roster is, in, in my opinion, much healthier. And, and I believe, uh, uh, I know somebody's coming back for the Chiefs. Um, what can I think of the name? running back 
fight Edwards Elair. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he's definitely not um the guy. Right? Like I mean, we haven't seen him do much of anything. He's actually year. been pretty solid in the playoffs. He's 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 had he's got quite a few okay. important plays. Yeah. Um but uh for the Niners, who is it that's they've got another running back that's coming back. What am I? Oh, Elijah Mitchell. Yes, right. Yes. So that with CMC, I think is just going to be too much, and uh, I think that this is going to be the year that Kyle Shanahan has learned. He's evolved. He's he's grown, and this will be the year that he he gets the job done. But I think it's going to be close. I think it'll be like twenty three seventeen. So strange, this whole podcast, from from how we started to how we end. Uh-huh. Because I've basically <laughs> taken the Eric role for the entirety of it. Because you were so close, dude. You were so close to having the right logic. And on Monday, when you come back here and we talk about this, there's a part of you that's going to feel so stupid. And I, I, I know I've been in your spot before you kind of, when it's Patrick Holmes, sometimes you kind of just galaxy brain it and you say, Oh, like this could happen. And it's a team sport and blah, blah, blah. And then you have to just realize that this guy is, is different. And there are certain players that come across in sports throughout different generations that are just different. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, LeBron James. Guys that just exist and will their teams forward. And I just, I can't in good conscience pick Brock Purdy in a game over Patrick Mahomes. And I can't in good conscience pick Andy Reid and a Chiefs running game with two weeks to prepare over a Niners running game that statistically has been the bottom of a league for the past five weeks. Like, we've seen enough tape on that where I'm saying, okay, there's more than just Patrick Mahomes showing up, and I don't want to bet against the best defensive coordinator of the past decade outside of Bill Belichick. Like, and, and just to, I, to I, I, I just can't, that, I can't, I can't do it. Jarek McKinnon is the running back that I was thinking of who is, who always shows up. Have, yeah. And, and That's, who always has, who had a massive Super Bowl game last year. And they have Andy Reid. And Kyle Shanahan hasn't done it before. And Kyle Shanahan has demons. And Andy Reid has beat the demons. And I love Kyle Shanahan, and I want him to beat the demons, but he's not going to beat him this year because the demon's name is Patrick Mahomes. And I threw my hands up in July, and I said, this team doesn't have any weapons. They they don't have any weapons. They're not going to get that far. He's not going to be a top-five quarterback this year. And then... In September, I said, hey, look, see, didn't I tell you? Like, the, not having weapons, it could be a problem. And in October, I said, hey, listen, like, it, 
are they going to ever figure this out? And then in November, I was like, guys, you're not going to figure this out. And then in December, everyone came around with me and said, oh, yeah, they're not going to figure this out. It's, it's just a down year for, for Kansas City. And then they go and they look the best they've looked in six months against the Miami Dolphins. And then the next week, they look even better than that against Josh Allen. And I pick against Patrick Mahomes. I, a man, an amateur man with a podcast, pick Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes like some common village idiot. No, never again. The rules are simple, Brian. And I have one. And it's never pick against Patrick Mahomes because <laughs> Brady's gone. And the rule before this was Brady. And the last time I broke the Brady rule, Patrick Mahomes lost. I'm not breaking this rule again, ever. Never count out. Never count Patrick out. Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs 20 to 17. I think I'll root for a close game. It wouldn't shock me if it isn't. This is, that's, how, that's how these things tend to play out. I do think it's interesting that both you and I took lower scoring, lower, lower. Well, and it uh, makes sense that 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 goes back to the let's talk about the league as a whole. It was not a scoring league this year. It was not the offense. This was a down year for offenses. It it makes sense that the Super Bowl will be determined by the best defense, and the best defense belongs to the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's. That's just the way it goes. I and I'll say it for like the eighth time in four weeks. I don't trust the Niners cornerbacks as far as I can throw them. I don't trust their safeties either. Losing Talanoa Hufanga was huge for them. They don't really have a secondary. It's 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 not good. All right, Brian. That was fun. We, we did, did a lot of talking. I'm gonna go timestamp this. I can't promise videos, but I. I did throw up my hands and get animated, so might as well. Uh, I'll see you Monday, and we'll talk about this, and then we'll slumber, and we'll 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 we'll, we'll slumber. Hibernation mode until March. We'll slumber until March. Uh, Good job by then. you. Thank you. This is it, the Super Bowl. Once again, to the five to fifteen people that listen, I love you. Thank you. Uh, this is why I do it, honestly. It's like this. So here we are. Your seven. One more show. Till next time. Peace out.